Welcome to Homestand Sports, a podcast for the passionate fan. I'm your host, Albert Vartanian, and I'm joined, as always, by my colleague and owner of a Rick Tockett rookie card, Justin Pooney. Who might be worth more than Elias Pedersen's new contract if he continues the way he's coaching? Okay, well, on today's show, we won't be talking about Elias Pedersen, but we will be chatting about Jay Woodcroft, the now former Oilers head coach, got the sack this past weekend. But was it the right decision? Me and the Poon Man will discuss. Also on the show, we're joined by betting hockey expert Steven Sahoyas of North Star Bets to get his thoughts on the Edmonton Oilers Stanley Cup chances. If you're a believer, you'll want to listen to that. And finally, we wrap up with why I believe the Toronto Maple Leafs should trade William Nylander. Yes, lots to get to and lots to answer. So let's get this party started. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this is Homestand Sports where stories, not stats, take center stage. All right, Justin. So like I mentioned off the top, Jay Woodcroft out. New coach mm-hmm. heading into Edmonton at the moment. What did you make of Edmonton's decision to fire him? Well, I kind of saw the writing on the wall after the game against San Jose. Uh, what was funny to me, Albert, is when I was listening to Ken Hitchcock, I'm not Ken Hitchcock, Ken Holland, former, right. so many coaches in Edmonton, Ken Hitchcock was a former, but listen to Ken Holland uh, speak. They made the decision basically after the San Jose game that they were going to move off Jay Woodcroft. Now they had to, you know, contact the Rangers to get, you know, permission to speak to Chris Knobloch. They had to get the contract sorted, all of that. So Jake Woodcroft was kind of a lame duck going into Saturday night's game against the Kraken. And then he wakes up in the morning on his off day and got fired on his off day, to quote the legendary movie Friday. Um, but was this the right move? I think we talked about the last couple of weeks that this was the only move the Oilers could really make, right? You weren't going to trade McDavid. You're not going to trade Dreisaitl. They sent Jack Campbell down to the minors already. So this was only the only real move the Oilers could make. Now, is it going to work? I don't know long term. This is a guy who, you know, started off 7-3 and three this season in the AHL with Hartford. But other than that, I don't know if he has the command and the respect in the locker room of these guys. Is it going to take time to earn? Yes. But I thought the Oilers, if they were going to fire a coach, they need to bring in a guy with a, a veteran coach, a, a guy who's been there, done that, who knows how to work with NHL superstars, guys who are making $10 million, $11 million a year. Um, so it's a wait-and-see approach. And again, they hired a guy with connections to McDavid, like they did with their president and Jeff Jackson. So... It's clear to me that they're catering to their superstar, which is not a bad thing, but it left me with a very NBA-like taste in my mouth where they're kind of maybe just doing what's best for their superstar player, not, not, not what's best for the entire organization. I'm a little shocked, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, Not that Woodcroft was fired, but that they decided to hire a first time NHL coach. Mm -hmm. This is a win now team, right? You really want to put that pressure on a guy who hasn't, coach at the NHL level. Listen, I know he was with Connor and he's dealt with some other players in the NHL, but you don't have NHL experience. I decided to look up maybe some first time cup contenders, coaches, rookie coaches coming into the league who won a cup in their first season. And you have to go way back to find like a slew of them. I'm talking about the seventies, the eighties and the sixties and the fifties. Mm-hmm. The most recent one being Dan Bilesma in Pittsburgh, 0809, mm-hmm. who was hired in February that season, ended up winning a cup with the Pittsburgh Penguins. So what I'm trying to say is it, it rarely happens. And now you're bringing in a rookie guy, no NHL experience, to this disaster, right? It was harsh. It was harsh to get rid of Jay Woodcroft, but it needed to be done. When you're a coach, preseason, you're talking about changing the defensive system to make it better. That was his intention. 
it's been worse, Justin. Yeah. Goals against per game, 30th. PK percentage, 30th. Team save percentage, 32nd. And I know it's not all on him. Like, you know, we had Stevie on the show later on, and he does mention that, you know, he can't put on the pads and go in between the uh -huh. net and stop blocks. That's not his job. But if you come out and say something, you don't deliver, especially for a team that's in win-now mode, and those are Ken Holland's words, you're going to pay the price. And I'm, if you I'm look at the stars, Justin, I'm not saying the stars stop playing for him, but if you look at McDavid and Drysaddle, they have one goal in 10 games combined. And look at their body language, right? After a game, you have Drysaddle, head in his hands. He's being dry and sarcastic with the media. Woodcroft was upset. McDavid looks completely drained. And when you have your leadership group and your stars combined into one, not pulling their weight, they're not going to get moved like you said. It falls on the coach, and it's just unfortunate that it happens to Jay Woodcroft, who, uh, who's been pretty good for the Oilers since he started. Fifth most win since he's been a head coach uh, in the NHL, right? Um, the Oilers, you touched on an interesting point with McDavid, just looking like there's so much pressure. Um, this team has a whole lot of pressure on them. It looks like they're trying too hard almost. It looks like they're squeezing the sticks a bit too tight. Like everything has to be perfect. Everything has to go right. This is the year they have to win, right? And there's all that pressure on them. There's all that expectation on them. And it is the weight of the world is on the Edmonton Oilers. And especially guys like McDavid and Drysaddle. And that's a lot, a lot to bear, especially when you are, you know, they're in their mid-20s still. But you're still, you know, you're figuring out expectations. You're figuring out how to be, you know, manage those expectations and be put in a situation where you can win and especially in a market like Edmonton where they've seen generational talents like this before be dynastic and win Stanley Cups now that's a totally different NHL and totally different players but there's a there's a pathway that they saw where you know a young team a young core led by superstars won five Stanley Cups right um when I look at this team and when I look at this situation there was also some Interesting comments from that press conference with Ken Holland. Uh, Ken Holland said that, you know, he talked to the veteran leadership group over the past week. And although he, he didn't use that in his decision making, he listened. Right. Um, and then Jeff Jackson jumped in and said no players were consulted at all in this move, which I don't know if it's a lie. And he's trying to protect um, his leadership group. But I found that very interesting because you have to think. um was McDavid consulted in this move? Was Drysaddle consulted with this move? Did they want Jay Woodcroft gone? That's something that I don't know we'll ever get the answer for. But um, if it is true that Ken Holland did speak to the veteran leadership group of the team and that was the decision made, is that the is that what we're going to be seeing going forward in the NHL where superstar players are going to be determining who wants to be their coach and all? Because we see that in the sport, sport like the NBA, but we don't see it ever really in the NHL. Justin, this is a move to, that caters to Connor McDavid, whether they asked him or not. We know that's mm. the case, right? Yeah. All we're hearing is McDavid and Knobloch together mm. with the Erie Otters. And so make of it what you will. I don't think, I, I don't know, but I just don't think that players in the NHL act the same way as players in the NBA in terms of demanding what they want, who they want. You know, Ryan Rashog, who is a very credible Edmonton Oilers reporter, said mm -hmm. that he does not believe that McDavid would have any say. People are saying McDavid is now the GM of the Edmonton <laughs> Oilers, and he's saying that's not the case. I'm going to take yeah. his word for it. But there's one thing that I read in the past about what GMs think about before firing a coach midseason. They, they think about, okay, is it are we struggling because of a lack of talent or is the coach failing the players? And I think Ken Holland leaned obviously one way by firing Jay Woodcroft. There's too mm -hmm. much talent on this team to be this bad.
So maybe all you need is a new coach and a shakeup and he comes in and now things start to turn around. And it's a really good time, I think, to do this. You look at the schedule, it really starts to soften up a bit for mm -hmm. the Edmonton Oilers. They got New York Islanders tonight who've lost four straight. They're leaking goals. Then they got Seattle and they know they can beat Seattle because they just did that. Then you go to Tampa Bay. Tampa's leaking some goals. Maybe a bit of bad news, though, because I did see today that Andre Vasilevsky was on the ice. So they want to face him. But they go on the road for four games. They come back. They have Anaheim and Vegas. Listen, I mean, if they win their next, you know, three, four, even five games, they're, they're right back in in the mix, at least for a wild card. And what yeah. is one thing a new coach is going to do when he comes in? The easiest thing to fix, which you can fix right away, which is the defense. If you're stopping pucks from going in the back of the net with the way that this Edmonton, Edmonton team is playing offensively, with the expected goals being as high as they are, it's only a matter of time before the bounce start the bounce. The puck starts bouncing the Edmonton Oilers way. I, I feel like I'm using tons of cliches here, but I really have to when I'm describing this team. So it's harsh on Jay Woodcroft. Um, the move caters to Connor McDavid, but I think it comes at the right time. Yeah, you, look, you said it absolutely. You're spitting cliches. I'm going to spit a cliche right now to you. Winning cures all, right? Does, if this really team does. starts winning, like you're not going to hear about any of this. You're not going to hear about McDavid being upset and – Chris Knobloch being a rookie head coach, you're not going to hear about it at all because well, you well, hold on, sorry to cut you off, but you will hear about it, right? If they go on a losing streak, yeah, if you hear on a, that's what I'm saying, but I'm saying if they start winning, you're not going to hear any of this, right? I'm if they start if the losing continues, oh boy, you're going to hear a whole lot of stuff because this team, Albert, you're talking about a wild card spot. That's this team will make the playoffs. I think I'm still a firm believer in that. Okay. I think this team look. As great as the Canucks have been, as great as Vegas has started off, as great as all that. You look at the Pacific Division, right? Mm. Can they get? Can they catch LA? I think so. I think they're a better team than LA. Can they get into one of those wild card spots? Absolutely. When they match up against the top teams, when you look at it on paper, not uh, scratch out the first thirteen games of this season, this team could compete with anybody, right? They've proven that. So when I look at this, and you mentioned puck luck, right? You mentioned puck luck. Could it be just as simple as once the bounces start flowing for these guys, it's just going to be an avalanche? I, I could see that. I could see McDavid getting a goal off his backside, and he then goes on a tear where he scores 20 goals in 20 games or something ludicrous like that, yeah. right? When I look at the Oilers, I think it's revolved so much around men mentally. Not what's going on on this. Yes, the goals and the laps and all that, but the mental aspect of it where – all that pressure and not so scared to make a mistake pressure from Skinner to the defense core, to the superstars up front. When I look at this team, I think something as simple as just something positive happening. A guy like Zach Hyman gets a hat trick, right? Well, let's see tonight how he backs that up. Can McDavid and Drysdale get on a little roll? Can they get a little bit of positivity? Because I think, especially with those two guys, Albert, if they get something positive and they start feeling good about their game, you know they can score and score in big, big, big bunches, which will catapult the Oilers back to success. Now, that's a lot to ask for, but it, it is, is a lot. It's a, it's a, it's possible with this team, and I think just a sprinkle of positivity around this Oilers team could go a whole lot for this team to get back into the playoff hunt. Yeah, they need to win now because more questions are going to pop up. Like, mm -hmm. did, did you bring in the right coach? What are you yeah. going to do about the goaltending? The defense is still letting in goals. So there's a lot that needs to be done. Let me end this segment with, with some stats here, Justin Pooney, mm -hmm. on the uh, new coach bounce. Most recently, uh, so February 9th, 2022, is when Montreal hired Martin St. Louis. He came in, lost his first three games, and rattled off five wins in a row. Your boy 
who I mentioned in the intro, Rick Tockett, hired yep. January 22nd, 2023, won his first game in four out of the first 10. So not the best of starts, but both of those coaches came in, and it's a step in the right direction mm -hmm. for both franchises. And I think uh, Knobloch coming to Edmonton could be that. Uh, it'll be a wait and see. And still right now, even with this new head coach, the biggest story for me in North American sports is the Edmonton Oilers. Okay, coming up after the break, Steven Sahoyas of North Star Bets will join us. We're talking some cup odds, and the Edmonton Oilers have a big number associated with them. If you want to hear that, stay tuned for that chat after the break. Okay, let's bring in Stevie Sahoyas of North Star Bets. Uh, Stevie, we were just talking about the Edmonton Oilers, uh, the disaster that are the Edmonton Oilers, obviously a new coach coming in. Uh, what's the line movement been like at North Star Bets in terms of Oilers Stanley Cup odds at the moment? So the Oilers actually last week dipped down to 20 to 1, and they've stayed there over at North Star Bets mm -hmm. even after the news of the firing. And I'm all in. I like the Oilers. I put down on them as soon as I heard Woodcroft got fired. Not that I think Woodcroft did a bad job. I mean, if you're going to point out his one flaw, it was that he can't play goalie. You know, that's that's a bit of an issue in Edmonton. And he can't stop the puck, unfortunately. It wasn't his fault that Jack Campbell's there for five years at $5 million. That's not on him. But he was the the fall guy in all this. And I think just the, the shock to the system that bringing in a new coach and firing a coach does and has on a team, I do think you'll see a spark in the Edmonton Oilers. Stevie, when we're talking about odds and line movements because of the Oilers' coaching change, let's take a look at the player side of it. Connor McDavid, of course, was the favorite for the hard drop trophy, excuse me, going into this season. He's not. Do you see this coaching change as kind of a propeller for him to get back up to the top of the leaderboard for the hard trophy and Rocket Richard and Art Ross? I'm a little more hesitant on betting McDavid-centric markets than I am betting on Oilers markets. I'd try to avoid actually betting on McDavid. I don't think the market is really corrected uh, considering his slow start to the year. And also the fact that he may or may not still be playing through an injury. He's pointless in his last three games. So you don't know if that's going to have any long-term lingering effects. I think you're better off looking elsewhere. He set the bar really high too. So in order for him to get another MVP trophy, he pretty much have to not replicate last season, but he would have to finish first in points, which, hey, I'm not going to hold that against him or, or say that he can't do it, but it doesn't look likely right now. And he would have to really propel himself out of the slump, which he is capable of, but I'm not going to bet on it at these prices. Stevie, they have a couple of win winnable games coming up, and that's why I think maybe it's the right time to move on from Croft. If you're going to get rid of a, a coach, maybe you do it now, softer schedule. Um, do you believe in the new head coach bounce? That's what I keep hearing now is that all of a sudden they got a new head coach and maybe they got a bit of a boost. It's a shakeup and they'll start turning things around. Well, I think the whole rationale behind the, you know, the, they call it the dead coach bounce is the fact that now that the coach is gone, if we can't win, we're going like it's you're next. Like obviously it wasn't the coach. So I think that will have an impact on the players. And I do think you'll see them turn it around. Woodcroft, I don't know. He seemed like he was well-liked by that Oilers team. Like he, he got through some tough times. He got them into the playoffs. They had some good runs together. Yeah, they go, they went around last year. They make it to the conference championship the year before. Like I don't think he did a bad job, and I don't think he was uh, an unliked figure. I just think they needed to shake things up. Holland realized that he's got even more serious and maybe focused a little bit more on the players themselves. Yeah. This is the fifth coach in eight years for Edmonton. And you got to start wondering 
is it really the coaching staff or is it this core of players, Stevie? So when you look at the situation with the Oilers, is it a simple coaching fix or does Ken Holland have another bullet or two in the chamber that he will let off this season, perhaps a big trade or something like that? Well, I think the issue with Edmonton is an issue that we see with the Toronto Maple Leafs is that the the culture and the the kind of the objective of the team really isn't around winning as much as it is making sure that there's enough money and they're the, to pay your star players and to keep those star players happy. I mean, look at the moves Edmonton has made. Uh, his ex-agent, Jeff Jackson, is now the CEO there in Edmonton. And the coach, Chris Knobloch, was his Erie Otters head coach when he played junior hockey. So the moves that they're making are very – what they tell me is that they're trying to keep McDavid happy. And we've seen that with the Maple Leafs, keep Matthews happy and make sure that there's enough money to sign him. It's hard to really go all in when you operate mm -hmm. that way, when, when your main objective is not winning, but rather making sure that there's enough money to sign those players back. So it's a, it's a balancing rope act, but it's one where I think teams kind of have to start weighing the risk versus reward. You look at a team like Pittsburgh, how many times have you ever heard risk of Sidney Crosby leaving town? None. Mm -hmm. The culture is good there. He's never once been rumored to go elsewhere. Like that, I think, is something that these other teams, the Leafs, the Oilers, they haven't had a whole lot of, which is star players really showing through their contract negotiations, both on and on, off the ice, basically, that they want to stay where they are. But Stevie, don't you think that when you look at the cultures of the Leafs and the Oilers, when they got these generational talents in a McDavid and a Matthews and a Dreisaitl and a Marner, um, the, they were losing for years. For the Leafs case, nearly a decade. For the Oilers case, past a decade of losing. So it's hard to build that culture. I know the Penguins were falling on tough times when they drafted Crosby, but they still had Mario Lemieux in the in the building. And he was the part owner of the team who was the most successful player in franchise history who knew what it was to what it took to excuse me to build a championship culture. Yeah, you're right. They did have Lemieux still in the building, but they were falling on tough times. But Crosby has made life easier for them when it comes mm -hmm. to negotiating contracts with other players. I haven't seen McDavid make life easier for the Oilers when it comes to keeping other players. I haven't seen Matthews do it either. So, And it's, it's another point, point. I know the Bruins, they've had the same uh, success in recent years as the, the Penguins. When it comes to locking up these key veterans, they've often taken hometown discounts. So I think the issues with these two teams, when you look at Toronto and Edmonton, is the culture that's being built. A lot of it is, you know, you're basically treating these guys with, with kids' gloves on, making sure that you don't say the wrong thing or bring in the wrong guy because, you know, God forbid that you do and they end up wanting to leave, right? It's It's been, a, I think, uh, a, a, a way of building your team that really hasn't worked for either of them. They both have been, you know, the Oilers have been long uh, underwhelming and underachieving with McDavid and the Maple Leafs, hey, they've got one playoff series win in the Matthews era. You just had to throw that one in there, Stevie. I know I know you owe too well, man. I know you owe too well. Okay, let's transition quickly. Monday Night Football, your Bills in action, laying the seven points at home to the Broncos. Uh, how do you think this one plays out tonight? Well, look, you got the Broncos, 7-20 and 20 on the road since 2020. The worst road record of any team in football. The Bills, 27-6 and six at home during the same time frame. The best home record of any team. In the in NFL, so I'm going to go with the Bills. I like them. I earlier in the week I was kind of hesitant, but I think tonight they cover the spread. They get right in a big way, and I think you see the passing attack look a lot better than it has over the last five weeks.
Better hope so. I mean, when we're seeing the AFC, <laughs> it's looking dicey, Stevie. It's a must-win game against the Denver Broncos. It is, yeah, but a win tonight. You stay one back of the Dolphins for the division. You're still in the hunt there. Uh, what about the total? Primetime under seems to be hitting like crazy. I believe it's at 24-7. and seven. Uh, The Bills can put up a large amount of points on their own. We've seen that in the past, most recently, probably against uh, the Miami Dolphins. The offense hasn't been the same since, but do you think uh, we can hit the over here? I'm going to go with the under on this. I actually really like the under. This is probably my best play for the night tonight. I think Buffalo's offense, they haven't scored over 25 points in any of their last five games. So even if they do look good tonight, I don't think they go crazy. And then Denver, their defense has actually played a lot better. The bar was set low when they allowed 70 points to the Dolphins earlier this year, but they've held each of their last three opponents to under 20 points. That includes a pair of game against the Chiefs. So give me the under on tonight's total. All right, well, good luck tonight, Stevie. Thanks for doing this. Yeah, likewise. Good luck tonight and no problem. Thanks for having me on. All right, Bert. William Nylander has been the main story of the Toronto Maple Leafs this season. 15-game point streak to start the year. Contract year, right? So mm. let me ask you this question. It's obvious the Leafs' defense is very bleak. They need help on the back end. Does Brad Tree Living do the unthinkable and consider trading potentially their best player this year in William Nylander to help out the back end and potentially also the bottom six? I don't know if he'll do it or if he is considering it, but he absolutely should consider it. And the reason I thought about this is I watched the game with a bunch of Leafs fans this past weekend, mm -hmm. and uh, they all brought it up. They're like, it's a contract year. Maybe this is the best time to trade Nylander. And I, I never really thought about it because I'm like, oh, they're probably going to lock him up. But with the way the team is built at the moment and what we've seen in the past, they need to consider it. And if there's a guy that's willing to make a, a huge trade like this and, tr and trade a franchise piece, it's Bradtree Living because he's done it. Most recently trading Matthew Kachuk for just, uh, Justin, Jonathan Huberto. I mean, mm -hmm. it didn't work out and hasn't worked out for Calgary. worked out well for Florida, but he's willing to make that move. And the reason I say Nylander as well is because I think he's the only one out of that core four you can realistically, realistically trade. One guy is untradeable and John Tavares. He's not going to waive his no trade. Yep. Matthews is locked in for the future. And Marner, I think, is too valuable. Plus, he's going to end up being overpaid as well. So I think it has to be Nylander, a guy who wants 10 million and I think deserves 10 million. He's a, going to be another probably 40 goal scorer. He's an 80 plus point guy, if not more. He's on a 15 game point streak at the moment. So I think if, you, if you're looking for value in return, you can get it with Willie Nylander. And he doesn't have a full no move. He has a 10 team no trade. So who de it depends on who's on that no trade mm -hmm. list when you're looking for teams to deal with. But you should definitely consider it because what are, the, what are the Leafs' goals this season and for the foreseeable future? It's one Cup. thing. It's to win the Stanley Cup. Can they win the Cup with this team right now? No. Can they win the Cup with four forwards making 40-plus million of their salary cap, which is almost 50% of the cap? No. Do they have the defense to contend right now? No. Do they have the goaltending to make up for a bad blue line? No. One guy you took to arbitration and you told him how bad he was so you didn't have to pay him that much. The other guy is a rookie with just 20 games under his belt. Granted, he looks good, but do you trust him enough to, to win you games when your defense can't perform? And they need to just invest in their defense. I mean, look at the contenders around them. Look at the Boston Bruins. They have one $10 million-plus player, and that's Pasternak, and then heavily invested into their blue line. Tampa Bay, they have Kucherov and Point, both at under $10 million, 
invested heavily into their defense. Vegas, one $10 million player in Jack Eichel, invested heavily into their defense. This is how you do it, and you need cap flexibility. I don't care how much the cap is going up. Mm-hmm. Having four-plus players making 10-plus million is not the recipe for success. We've seen it time and time again. I don't know how many more times the Maple Leafs need to under, need to see this, this core fail in the playoffs, right? It's just not going to work. You have AHL defensemen playing right now. You yeah. you paid John Klingberg four-plus million. He's not working out. You have a 40-year-old Mark Giordano who's still a good defenseman but is not going to be able to play 20 minutes every single night. Morgan Riley's definitely their best defenseman. TJ Brody, I think, has taken a step back. You need to invest in secondary scoring because Matthews and Marner and Tavares and Willie can't do it by themselves. And if you're losing Willie Nylander, you're not going to win the trade. There's no way. You're not getting a like-for-like player, but that's not what the trade is about. The trade is about investing in the defense and making your team ready for a, a true playoff push and not relying on a couple of guys to get it done for you because they haven't gotten it done in the past. Albert, you answered my question, or sorry, my, my rebuttal uh, <laughs> at the end of that. The Leafs will lose this trade regardless, right? When you look at the first question I have for you, another question I have for you, uh, when you were discussing this idea of potentially trading William Nylander, how many adult beverages were you in that night? Not many. I actually dismissed it when it was brought up. I'm yeah. like, no, you can't do that. But then oh. I started thinking about a contract oh, year. He's really man. playing up for it. We know players in the past, and you know this too, Justin. You've been watching hockey a long time. Yeah. Comes down to a contract year. Player has their best year. They get paid, and it starts going south. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Willie because he's been good up until this point. But that's something you really have to think about. And But if the Toronto Maple Leafs have had all their ducks in the row in, t- in terms of having a good defense, uh, a legitimate goaltender, some secondary scoring, you wouldn't even have to consider this. But you have to. Like you can't, I just you cannot have four players making ten plus. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. But here's the thing: it doesn't matter what whether that you can or can't. You have to now. You have to. You're if you trade William Nylander in a contract year, right? First of all, he's an unrestricted free agent at the end of this season. So a team is not going to give up all those assets that you would want for a rental potentially, right? If you wanted to trade him, you should have traded him last summer when he had term on his deal still, and then a team had a little bit more certainty, right? For example, say a team like, I don't know, throw a team out there, a team like Carolina, who has a lot of defensive assets to give up and is a contender. Are they going to part ways with players of their own that are a top four defenseman for a forward that they're not too sure is going to re-sign? No, right? Think about this market, the Toronto market. If you trade a guy who's on pace to score 55 goals, have 120 plus points this season, you trade that for spare parts. William Nylander is a dollar and you get what? Three three quarters, a dime, a, a nickel and another dime, right? You're getting basically change on the dollar, right? You're not getting full value for it. It's not a full hockey trade, right? right. Plus his cap is only 6.9 million. And the player and the caliber defenseman you need to bring back is going to cost you at least $4.55 million where and it doesn't make any sense to do that, right? This is a move, if they were ever to trade William Nylander, would be when he has term in the offseason when you can maneuver more. This is not a deadline deal, Albert. This is a major shakeup that this will not happen. And you mentioned the Matthew Kachuk deal, but that was a different situation. Matthew what? Kachuk said, I don't want to re-sign long-term Ooh. in Calgary. William Nylander has not said he does not want to sign long-term in Toronto. Apparently, from all accounts, we think he wants to stay in Toronto long term. This is the mess from the Dubas regime that they have to live with. 
You signed Tavares to an $11 million deal. You have to live for that with, for one more year after this. You signed Morgan Riley to a $7 million a year contract. Is he worth that? I don't know. Mitch Marner is making $10.9 million. You can bet your bottom dollar when it's time for him to get a new contract at this offseason. He's going to ask starting at at least 12, right? So this is the mess that the Maple Leafs did. You are stuck with this core. You sacrificed a defense and depth in defense when you signed these forwards to big ticket contracts. So what does that mean? You keep saying stuck with this core, but yeah. does that mean you don't do anything? You, what can you do? Are you are you going to trade William Nylander at the deadline as a rental? You're not going to get full value for that. It doesn't make sense. Nobody's going to touch the John Tavares contract. Mitch Marner, is this market going to want you to... I can see maybe a Marner trade in the offseason because he still has one more year on his deal after that. But even then, you would have to trade him to a team that, A, he wants to go to because I'm pretty sure he's got a full no-move clause in his mm -hmm. deal. And then that that team would have to have assurances that he's going to sign a long-term deal with them. That is the only move I could see happen because you're not going to trade Matthews. You made that very apparent when you signed him this past offseason. So Marner is the only move they can really make because... He still has his contract has not been signed yet. But then again, what we talked about superstars and their preferences and catering to them. Would you imagine posing to Austin Matthews? Yeah, we're going to trade Mitch Marner in the offseason. How do you think he feels about that? How do you think he would feel about that? I don't think right? it matters. He's already it, it committed. Does, but here's the thing. They've proven and they've shown that they want to do what's right by Austin Matthews. Right? And again, top four defensemen are so hard to get. They're, they're extremely hard to get. The Canucks got Philip Peronic last year, who is now a top four defenseman. But they had to give a first round pick, and he was hurt, mm -hmm. right? There was a, he was coming off with a serious injury. Top four defensemen, when they're there, teams hold them like gold bars because they do not want to give them away. This is on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the past regime for not focusing on that. They are again a high offensive team and they don't have they, they they chose this they chose to go get Bertuzzi they chose to get Domi they could have right. allocated that money and free agency for defensemen they could have gone out for a Dmitry Orlov or whatever mm -hmm. and now you hear they're in the market for a guy like Nikita Zadorov but watch that's going to cost you some a heavy price too because he's a top four defense who can log some minutes that's not going to come cheap Albert so when you look at the Toronto Maple Leafs and the situation not only does the, if, if you ever thought about trading Nylander, it would damage the psyche completely in this locker room, right? It's not like last year when Dubis went and got all these pieces and to put all his chips in the middle. This would be kind of the opposite. You're getting rid of a big ticket player for depth pieces per se. You're not bringing in another superstar defenseman back. So that's why I think this would never happen. And well, you're putting too much stock into to what these players think. If I'm Bradtree Living, I can care less what Austin Matthew thinks about me trading one of Marner and Nylander. I can care less about what they think about me trading a big ticket. You want to win a Stanley Cup? You want to know how it's done? Look at all these other teams and how they do it. Then and Bradtree Living is not – listen, Bradtree Living, he's at fault for some of these deals that he's oh. made right now. It's not working out. Klingberg is not working out for $4 million. Ryan Reeves is not working out. You know, that, that, that contract extension that he gave to David Kampf, whether that was his decision or not, that's not really working out. Tyler Bertuzzi, man, Bax Domi's starting to turn around a little bit. But if you're saying, oh, you can't make these moves, then you're telling me, okay, well, just throw away the season because it doesn't matter. Because they, can't win with, they, can, they cannot win with the way they have their team structured. Someone has to go. And we've been I, saying this for a long time. This yeah. team, it's super talented, mm -hmm. but cannot get it done in the playoffs. 
Matthews can't do it by himself, mm-hmm. but he also needs some assistance in secondary scoring. Marner and Nylander, one of those guys has to go. Unless you're tree living and this is a season where you come in and you're assessing the team, to me, if that's the case, that's an absolute joke because you're just throwing away the season because it's going to be another first or second round exit. They Again. cannot go into the playoffs with yeah. William Lagason, Benoit, LeJoie, any of these guys as part of their defensive core and try and win a Stanley Cup. It is just not going to happen. And you have to hope that Samsonov can turn it around and you have to hope that a rookie goaltender is good enough to make up for these defensive mistakes, which I don't think they can. So a move needs to be made. A move needs to be made, but it's not going to be William Nylander. If you wanted to trade William Nylander, it should have been in the summertime. It should have I, been. I, I understand that, but I, you know what? But Justin, this is why he brought in a guy like Klingberg. This is why he brought in these other secondary pieces, so he wouldn't have to do that. But now that's not working out. One injury, one injury to that defense. Jake McCabe going down broke. That's the straw that broke the camel's back. Lilligren goes, Lilligren goes down, and it's even worse. How do you go into a season as a cup contender when you're one injury away from your whole defense crumbling? That's the, again. I understand everything you're saying, but I'm saying now the situation they're in, they did this. They made this mess. They have to live with it now because what are you going to do, right? You can trade it. You can trade it. What are you going to do, Justin? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. Are you going to now – you can't trade William Nylander now. Either A, he walks as a free agent or you re-sign him to a big ticket deal. That's not going to happen. A trade for Nylander is not going to happen. You're not going to trade Morgan Riley because his contract just kicked in. We talked about Tavares. No, even though he's playing well, nobody's going to touch that contract. Mar- Matthews is off limits. So the last person is Marner. And are you going to trade Mitch Marner? Is Brad Tree living the guy? Does he have the cojones to trade Mitch Marner out of Toronto? A Toronto-born guy who's putting up a, a near 100-point season last year, an all-star, all of that, yada, yada. Are you going to have the you-know-what to trade him? Because he could have done that last this past summer with William Nylander. He could have traded him, right? The same situation is going to come up with Mitch Marner this offseason. He's proved last year he doesn't have, last summer, excuse me, he didn't have what it takes to trade Nylander. He didn't even take, I don't even know if he took calls or, at all. Is he going to do that with Marner? I don't think so. I don't think you can, in this market, in this landscape in Toronto, can you trade, can you be known as the GM who trades Mitch Marner? I don't think so. From where I see it is, and again, as much as you think the optics don't matter, the optics do matter, Albert. Where does he want to be known as the guy who trades Mitch Marner and then Mitch Marner goes somewhere else and continues to have great success and he brings in a defenseman that you know might not live? Look up, look what happened to Edmonton. They traded Taylor Hall, he goes on and wins the Hart Trophy, and they get Adam Larson. Now, in the long term, it didn't work out for both teams, but in the short term, was Peter Shirelli not getting absolutely eviscerated in Edmonton for trading Listen, a hard you, trophy you, you winner? You get paid the big type of dollars to take that type of heat and make these decisions. I have no sympathy for a GM who doesn't want to be known as a guy who traded a big ticket item in Toronto. If that's if that's his thinking, if that's a GM's thinking, you're not fit for the job. Will ownership allow him to trade Mitch Marner? Will ownership step in and say, no, you're not going to trade Mitch Marner? Yeah, well, that's fair too. Exactly. So that's again, let me ask you this. Though. Let me okay. Let me ask you. Let's end on this. If you, if you were to trade one, you're Bradtree living today. Would mm-hmm. would it be Mitch Marner and William Nylander? It's Marner for sure. Because if I can trade Marner this off season, I know he's got another year on his deal. So teams are going to be more likely to trade for him rather than a guy who's a pending UFA, right? Um, and I think honestly, you could get a whole lot for Mitch Marner. You could get a top four defenseman. You could mm-hmm. get draft capital that you could use to get another defenseman. You could get right. 
And then here's the other thing. You're not going to be spending $12 million plus. Because I think if you look at it, Matthews at 13.25. Marner is going to be at least at 12 and a half, I think. Right? Nylander is probably going to be around 11, 11.25. Right? So you do that. that. That's a whole, that's like, what, almost 40 million just on those three alone pretty much. Right? So yeah, I think you look at this situation, though. right? It, it's... This is this is what the Toronto Maple Leafs are going to be. They have, I think, that this core four or this big three of Nylander, Marner, Marner, and Matthews, you're tied to them until you decide you want to trade them. And I don't think any of them are going to decide to trade them. And quite frankly, I think that's what's going to be the detriment of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And it all started with that John Tavares deal. Yeah. Yeah, uh, True Living is dealing with uh, the Leafs' pass in Kyle Dubas, who's having a hell of a time in Pittsburgh right now. But it'll be interesting to see how the rest of the season pans out and what moves Tree Living makes. I highly doubt – I know we brought up this topic and had this conversation. Mm-hmm. I highly doubt any of those players will be traded. But I think if you really want to become a true cup contender and you want to balance out your team, I think one of those guys has to go. We've been talking about this forever. And you know what, Justin? We're probably going to be talking about this in the coming weeks as well. Good chat as always. Love you, buddy. We'll talk soon. Yes, sir. That's it from us at Homestand Sports. Thanks again for listening to the show. We'll be dropping episodes throughout the week, so keep your eyes peeled for that. You can find Homestand Sports anywhere you download your podcasts, including Apple, Amazon, and Spotify. Once again, thanks so much for listening. I'm Albert Vartanian, and this has been Homestand Sports, where stories, not stats, take center stage. Thank you.